Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. This is episode 50. So excited for this episode, and I got an unbelievable interview today, Coach, on episode 50. It's Coach Don Showalter. Don Showalter, for a 10th time, served as head coach of the USA Basketball Men's Junior National October minicamp. He is also a 10-time USA Basketball gold medalist head coach while serving as head coach of the USA men's U16 and U17 national teams from 2009 to 2018. In May 2016, he was hired as a coach director, USA Basketball Youth and Sport Development Division. Most recently, Showalter led the 2018 USA Basketball Men's U17 national team to a 7-0 record and gold medal at the 2018 FIBA U17 World Cup. In recognition of his leadership, he was named as co-recipient of the 2018 USA Basketball Developmental Coach of the Year Award. In honor, he shared with USA U17 women's head coach Carla Berube. Showalter and Berube also shared the 2017 USA Basketball Developmental Coach of the Year honor. A high school coach for 42 years. Showalter's 2018 USA Basketball Developmental Coach of the Year recognition was his 10th straight such honor. He owns a perfect 62-0 record at the helm of USA Basketball U16 and U17 teams since the inaugural U16 competition in 2009. He has led the 2009, 2011, 2013, 2015, and 2017 USA men's U16 national teams to gold medals, as well as top finishes for the 2010, 2012, 2014, 2016, and 2018 FIBA U17 World Cups. Further, Showalter was the U.S. Olympic Committee 2012 Volunteer Coach of the Year. In addition to winning gold medals for the USA, Showalter has led nine previous fall USA Junior National Team Minicamps each October at the United States Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which helped prepare the USA men for future competitions. Showalter was the USA head coach of the 1998 Nike Hoop Summit and for the North Team in the 1998 USA Basketball Men's Youth Developmental Festival. He was the coordinator for a youth clinic hosted by USA Basketball in New York in 2004, and he served as the chair of the USA Basketball Cadet and Youth Committee, now the Developmental National Team Committee, from 2001 to 2008. Showalter compiled a 601 and 346 overall record, 635 winning percentage during his 42 seasons as a high school head coach, including 16 district titles and six state tournament appearances. In 2015-16, his fourth and final year at Iowa City High School, his team finished 13-10, and 10, was a co-champion of the Mississippi Division of the Mississippi Valley Conference, and Showalter was named the 2016 Mississippi Valley Division Coach of the Year in the MVC. While at the Mid-Prairie High School, Iowa, from 1984-1985 to 2011-2012, Showalter tallied a 446 and 202, 688 winning percentage record, and in eight seasons, 1976-84, as the head coach at Central Elkhorn High School in Iowa, he totaled a 108 and 63 record. Showalter earned the 2004 National Association of Basketball Coaches Advocacy Award in 2009. He was honored by the National High School Athletic Coaches Association. 
National Coach of the Year, and he was an Iowa Basketball Coaches Association Coach of the Year 10 times. 81, 1982, 91, 1995, 96, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2010, 2016. Showalter has been recognized by numerous organizations for his dedication to the game. In 2004, he earned the NABC Advocacy Award. In 2009, Showalter was honored by the National High School Athletic Coaches Association as its National, Regional, and State Coach of the Year after having been named the Iowa Basketball Coaches Association Coach of the Year nine times. In addition, to his high school coaching duty, Showalter was selected to coach in the 1999 McDonald's High School All-America Game and the 2005-2012 Jordan Brown Classic All-Star Games. He has been a coach at the Nike Skills Academy and LeBron Academy, and he also spoken at basketball clinics around the world, including in Australia, Belgium, Dubai, Egypt, England, Italy, Russia, Scotland, Spain, and Switzerland. He was a member of the McDonald's All-American Game Selection Committee. Showalter and his wife, Vicki, have two children and four grandchildren. Coaches, I just have a special honor. I've been trying to get Coach Showalter on my podcast for a while. Uh, it's such a great honor. Matter of fact, um, in this interview, he is just finishing up uh, the Nike uh, Hoop Summit in Portland, Oregon. So I'm going to get some kind of some current events on what's going on at the Nike Hoop Summit with some of the top players in the country. So this is going to be a treat. Welcome, Coach Don Showalter. There we go. Oh, great. Welcome, Welcome Coach. Yeah. Glad we got it Can you hear out. me okay? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Uh, you know, a basketball coach, we can't figure out the high-tech stuff. I tell you what, I – I asked my grand grandkid who's grand boy who's about twelve years old, he can figure all that stuff out. But Oh man, it's amazing, uh, Coach. They 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 just grow up with that. I have my first and second graders, they all have computers. That's what they do all their work on is computers. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad because I think kids need to write, but that, that's <laughs> I I agree. Um but thanks again, Coach, for coming on. I've been yeah. you know, I, I've been talking to all my coaches. You are actually. This is a ama- This is an anniversary here. It's my fiftieth podcast. Wow! Awesome. I can't believe that. And I got. I got the best for the fiftieth. Come on, coach. I mean, <laughs> you can't beat Doctor. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but uh, yeah, I enjoy doing podcasts. I've done a lot of them, so I enjoy doing them. You have, and I think I've heard all of your podcasts, coach. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, you get you got a great mind for the game, and. Um, and, uh, of course, I love podcasts, and that's why I started mine. Hey, check, right. check this out, Coach. Kevin Eastman, Greg Tonegal out of Indiana Westland, Jerry Pettigrew, yeah. and Don Showalter. Man, that, <laughs> that's a grand. That's, that's not bad, I don't think. <laughs> um, coach, I, I mean, again, I just want to say thanks again, and, and I want you to kind of uh, share with our listeners. And I, there's a lot of coaches that listen that are just like me. I'm small time coach. Uh, I coach at a yeah. small charter school. Um, tell how you, I mean, a lot of people don't know that you spent 40 or 40 years coaching high school basketball and now yep, 40 years. Yeah. Tell us about your journey. Yeah. You know, uh, I think my journey is very similar to how a lot of coaches start, you know, right out of college, uh, graduated from Warburg College, and right out of college, it, it was, you know, at that time, we, we all don't know anything. You know, we think we know everything, and we don't know anything coming right out of college. Um, 
And so I took a high school job, a small school uh, called Lone Tree, Iowa, just south of Iowa City, and uh, was there for two years. They had not won a game, and they were 0-36. And so I felt, well, you know, we, we can't hardly do any worse than that. So I took <laughs> the job. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was a small school. It was a great environment for me uh, as a head coach coming right out of college. The people there were so appreciative of just any, anything we did to help their sons, uh, to help the team get better. So, you know, that's one thing I would encourage, uh, you know, coaches to do. You know, there there are some, and I, I didn't know what kind of job it really was, but I felt that we could make some progress there, and um, we did in two years. And then I, uh, uh, of course, at that time, I really felt I was going to be a Division One coach. Uh, I think sometimes we all have that urge, and you know. But I, I graduated with a lot of players. Uh, a lot of a lot of my good friends went into the college coaching route. And uh, they, you know, you, you go for four or five years as a non-paid assistant, volunteer assistant, GA, whatever. Your head coach gets fired. You're out of a job. You're starting that whole process over again. Before you know it, you know, you're, you're 10 years into the eight to 10 years into college coaching and really have nothing to show for. And I, I did not want to go that path. Uh, and I, I really felt that high school kids, the longer I coached in high school, the better I felt that I, I really felt that's where I was supposed to be. I love the high school age kids. And I think all coaches, I think we need to, I, I think we need to answer the question, why we coach, you know, why, why are you coaching? Uh, and I don't think I did a very good job of that at the beginning, but as the longer I coached, I think I realized that, that I was coaching uh, to make an, to make an impact with, with younger players in high school. And I really felt that was uh, that was where my niche was, and, and I felt really good about that. So I coached there for two years. We won some games. Uh, you know, the first game we won, I think we were 0-10 or 0-9 before we won our first game. Uh, so a lot of coaches can relate to that. Uh, and then uh, we won several, and you know, the next year we won a few more. And um, I went to uh, another school in Iowa up in northeast part of the state, Central High School in Elkader. Uh, which had a great basketball tradition before I got there. And uh, we, we did some, we, you know, we had some really good kids, won the state tournament. And then I always said I was never going to go back to my alma mater. Uh, uh, so never say that because that can happen. <laughs> um, uh, so I went back after eight years in Al-Qaeda Central and then two years of Lone Tree. After 10 years of, of coaching and teaching, uh, my alma mater, uh, which was Mid Mid Prairie High School, just south of Iowa City, it's made up of about three or four small towns together, and uh, it, it was a two A school, uh, which in Iowa we have four classes. I felt real comfortable with that. I, I told my wife, "Yeah, we'll go back for two or three years, and then I'll look, you know, look for something else." Well, twenty eight years later. Uh, <laughs> It was, I was still there and as a basketball coach. In fact, I retired from being an athletic director there. And then uh, a job opened up at Iowa City High after I had actually retired at Mid Prairie. And, uh, you know, we, we felt it was just a really good move for us. Uh, there wasn't really much homeless. Uh, uh, my wife had, had taught kindergarten as well for well over 35 years. So 
we said, you know what, we're uh, we're going to take the job at City High, very diverse school. Uh, obviously, it's about two thousand students, so it was it was a much bigger school. But uh, I really really enjoyed that aspect of it, and uh, you know, just enjoyed coaching at City High. And then during that time in two thousand, well, actually in nineteen ninety eight. So I'll back up a little bit. I finished out my career at City. I was City High in 2016 and uh, then I went full-time with USA basketball so I went from a coach who coached very small school and and did not have much success all the way up through to to uh Iowa City High where we had to turn a program around I thought and I really felt that that was uh something that my assistants and I did a great job of is just making that culture different and succeeding and where it really hasn't been much of a program before uh, and then during that time, uh, I coached with you. I was re- getting more involved with USA basketball. And in 98, I coached the Hoop Summit, which I'm in Portland right now for our Hoop Summit. But uh, we played a guy by the name of Dirk Nowitzki against against, <laughs> And I think everybody knows yes. uh, what happened with Dirk. He, actually, Dirk at that time was not – he was not – nobody knew about him. Uh, he came over from Germany and – Nobody knew who Dirk was, and after that game, everybody knew who Dirk was. He ended up being a top draft choice, and obviously, I think he just completed his twenty-first year in the NBA, and you know, uh, and that type of thing. So, uh, but obviously, I had the best seat in the house because I was sitting on the other bench, coaching our team, and I think we got beat, ended up getting beat by uh, two or three points in that game. Uh, but it was really a good game. So that, that was my first coaching niche with USA basketball. You know, people ask me how I got started with it. I think I tell young coaches, I speak at clinics all over the world, and I, I think I tell coaches all the time, you know, no matter where you're at, if you're coaching a sixth-grade boys team or seventh-grade girls team or a high school team, you know, the, the first thing you have to do is you have to do a great job of where you're at. I mean, right where you're at now is the most important job you have. And if you don't do a good job there, you, other opportunities will probably not come. And uh, I, I'm very emphatic about that. I really think that's that's true. So, you know, I, I mean, I I had no really – I couldn't uh, – I, I, and, again, I tell coaches, I, I couldn't connect the dots ahead of me. I mean, I didn't know I was ever going to coach with USA Basketball and those kind of things. Uh, you certainly connect the dots behind you and what led you to those places, but – it's just who you meet, uh, people you meet, and then you get a chance. They like what you do, and you get a chance to, to do something else uh, as well. So after the Hoop Summit, I coached in a festival in 99 in Colorado Springs. At that time, it was a, a north, south, east, west uh, kind of uh, tournament, 10 players from each group. So we had the 40 top players. Uh, we had – in the early 2000s, we had LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul. We had all the all the players in in that age group. We did that until 2009. Then FIBA went to the uh, youth uh, junior national teams, U16, uh, in 2009, and they asked me to coach it. Uh, and it's a two year. It was at that time it was supposed to be a two year uh, two year commitment. U16 leads to the U17 World Championship. U16 is our zone, North North and South America zone. So you have to qualify for the Worlds 
uh, we did that, and then we played the U-17s, and it starts over again. Then you go U-16, U-17s. So after that, uh, USA Basketball was going through a really a, a really a difficult time with basketball. If you remember in the mid-2000s, uh, we got finished third in the Olympics. We finished sixth in the world in the world championships in Indianapolis and it was just a mess uh so part of that was uh they they brought on Jerry Colangelo of course and and uh, coach K and uh they wanted to keep things consistent so they asked me to stay on with our young kids uh they liked what I did with them uh, evidently so uh, we tried to build a really good culture much like coach K did with the senior men's team and uh you know, 10 years later, I was still coaching the U-17 men's team. So I coached them through uh, last year, last summer. Uh, it was my U-17 10th year. Uh, fortunately, we won 10 gold medals with U-16 and U-17 and um, didn't lose a game in that time period. So we were very fortunate to have, obviously, good players. But I think the whole culture thing is misunderstood. Uh, people think you can just uh, roll the ball out and have the kids play and you know, uh, unfortunately, coaches that do that don't don't see much as much success. So, that's that's kind of a long story in my journey to where I am today. And now I am. Last three years, I worked full time with USA Basketball, based out of Colorado Springs. Uh, my wife and I moved to Colorado Springs, bought a, purchased a loft condo right downtown. Love it. The weather's great, uh, and, and I'm director of coach education. Uh, so I travel around. Also, then I work with the junior national team side, identifying players for our future U16, U17, U18, U19 teams. And then I'm in charge of uh, the coaches, uh, put, getting the coaches together for our mini camps. Uh, we just had a mini camp in Minneapolis for during the, all, during the Final Four, where we had 65 of the top players in the country come in, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. So I assembled the coaching staffs for each one of our, our mini camps. So that's, that's my job right now. I love what I'm doing, of course. And, uh, you know, don't see myself, uh, don't see myself going into, uh, 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 going, being, being stale for, for a while yet. So, uh, that's a long story for a simple question, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and I, I tell you, it's your, your career has been amazing. I, 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 this is what I, what I see within, your career coach, I think it really helped you teaching all these great players that you're working with now that you were a high school coach. I think more college, tell me if I'm wrong. I, I would like to see more college coaches actually have that high school experience. Don't you think that by teaching them the basics at that level would help them at the college level hey, more? Absolutely. I, you know what? I tell high school coach, I said, if you want to find out what kind of coach you really are, Go coach a group of fourth grade boys. For, exactly. You know, then you'll find out. You'll find out what what kind of message you have, how you relate to, you know, what you teach. Yeah, I mean, I I think college coaches. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they I don't know how to say that. they manage more than they actually. Some of them actually coach, and you know, the great ones coach. There's no question about it. I don't want to. I don't want to minimize that aspect of it. But you know, they're 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 getting the players. Uh, they're, they're recruiting the players they want for their system, which we can't do as high school coaches. You know, we, we take them year by year. And, uh, you know, some, some years we can press like crazy. Some years we can have to play 
you know, matchup zone. Some years we have to just scrape and scramble for every, <laughs> for every basket we get. So I, in the long run, I think high school coaches are ha- really have to do a great job uh, just uh, of coaching to, to, for some years to get what we want. So, you know, I, I certainly agree with you on that statement. USA basketball. Um, and I, I really want to get more involved with USA. I, 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 I read and I study so many great things you guys are doing. I think the best thing you're doing is you're providing a foundation for youth uh, youth development, which I think there's a problem because I'm, I'm big with the youth development out in this area. And I see so many games being played. I'm sure you heard that before. Yeah. And I have a great player here, a sophomore girl that she, she plays for what we call a Nike elite team. I don't know why they call it the elite team, but um, she's a, she's a solid player, but I just I see some things in practices and, and development that I just don't agree with. What do you see out there? Do you see your system of of development being applied to even the high school level? How are you guys trying to connect with us? Well, that's a, you know that's a great question. And you know, first of all there's too many elite teams because there's not that many elite players. <laughs> right. There's a lot of good players. There's a lot of really good players, but uh, to be elite is a little, a little disconcerting to me you know, from that standpoint. You know, uh, my, my first response to you is that, you know, it, it took us, you know, basketball was invented, what, late 1800s. So it, it took us a long time for us to get to this point of sometimes not doing things the right way, uh, bad basketball. So to write that ship is not going to happen overnight. You know, we have to take steps that we think are really going to influence the game in the right way and, and try and, and make the game uh, better uh, on a daily basis for coaches and players, you know, the, and I, I, there's so many things that go into it, but you know, what we're trying to do is first of all, that the game is not going to get changed unless coaches change it. So we have, we have coaching academies around the country. We have six this year uh, for uh, coaches that coach anywhere from youth teams all the way up through high school. And we even have, college assistant coaches coming to our academy. So I would certainly think that, you know, anybody listening could go on our website at usab.com and find out where the academy's at. We got some in New York, LA, Dallas, uh, all over the country. And we try and really be specific to uh, teaching uh, how we teach. You know, it's not, it's not so much what we teach, it's how we teach it. So you can go on a YouTube uh, and, and, and Google up anything on YouTube. I mean, you, if you Google Don Showalter on YouTube, you're going to come up with a lot of my drills. And But that, you know, that gives you the drill. That gives you what to teach. It doesn't really show you how to teach it. So when you go to an academy or a clinic, coaches clinic, which I think is kind of, we're trying to resurrect that area of basketball a little bit because coaches need to be educated. I mean, I, and I don't say that uh, from the standpoint that they're poor coaches. I mean, I, even as a even as a coach, I coached 42 years, and I, I, I love to go to clinics. And that's where I got better. 
you know, and, and if we don't get better as coaches, our players just aren't going to get much better. We have to keep up with that. So I think that's one thing. Coach education is huge. We offer a USA basketball license uh, that gives you, gives a lot of, you can get all our Academy speakers. It gives a curriculum. It, it, uh, it shows you how to coach different levels, whether it's introductory level, advanced uh, level, uh, fundamental level. Um, so there's a lot of information there. And we have about 30,000 coaches that are licensed. Uh, obviously, we'd like to increase that every year. Uh, coaches that coach during the live period, uh, the NCAA requires them to have a uh, coaching license, gold coaching license. So, uh, you know, much like soccer, uh, you know, soccer started in the United States a lot later than basketball. So they don't have they don't have a lot to make up for. We have a lot to make up uh, basketball to make up for that wasn't very good. Uh, again, so, you know, we're putting a lot of emphasis on coach training. I go. I go speak for at YMCA's at boys and girls clubs. I go speak at uh, junior NBA. Uh, many of the uh, NBA junior NBA uh, teams, uh, the Knicks are really involved with USA basketball. We we go speak to their volunteer coaches. The Warriors are tremendously involved with USA basketball. Uh, the Spurs. So we go speak to their two hundred or three hundred coaches that have their coach teams, uh, youth teams. Uh, and so those are just some of the things that, that we're doing that we hope makes a difference. And, you know, uh, hopefully after I'm long gone that, you know, it's going to show up a little bit in, in what we're doing uh, as well. Yeah. And, and there's no doubt you guys have set the precedent. I, I think over the years it's going to get better and better. I mean, you can see the difference. Um, I mean, USA basketball is a big factor. Now you guys have gained so much respect by a lot of people. Um Coach, tell me about if I wanted to start um, a junior NBA youth program. And, and the reason why I'm looking to do that is um, out here, we're close to Atlanta, but we're about two hours away. So yep. I don't want my kids traveling too far for basketball. I think basketball should be in a community. I think you build from within, don't you, in a community community. And I'm looking to start – I love Junior NBA about what they're doing. If I wanted to start a program out here in my area and kind of get away from the AAU philosophy and club club travel yep. and focus on long-term development, yep. trying to build better people and really develop a, a positive culture, what would be me or somebody else who wanted to start that? What would be the best way to do that in the right way? Um, again, I mean, you're, you're definitely on the right track because we, USA basketball really believes that, you know, community, the community basketball, first of all, that's where you get kids interested in playing the game. And, uh, Kevin, as you know, if you love something, you're going to get better at it. So you might have a practice or two a week with, you know, nine and 10 year olds, but if they love the game, if that coach that they have instilled the love of the game in them. They're going to practice hours and hours and hours on the court, probably much like you and I did growing up, you know, and they're going to get better and they're going to get better and they're going to get better. And, and that, and we really think that community, that's where the community starts with the community. And, you know, you take, uh, we don't have enough time to talk about taking the parents out of the picture because they, they all, <laughs> they, you know, they, all they see, you know, well, the community, community team isn't really good enough for my, my son or daughter. 
and and you know that's a lot of you know that's just blowing smoke because that's where it really starts and uh you're you're close to atlanta i'll tell you what if if you're close to an nba team just call them up talk to their they all have they all have junior nba teams that are uh that are filled with filled with volunteers they organize leagues they organize you know those kind of things so i mean that's a great way to do it if you're close to a a team that's in that uh, close to an NBA team. And and then also if, if not, you know, organizing a community basketball team league, whatever is, is a giant first step. We think uh, and then, you know, that's where, that's where you're then, then if a kid loves the game and he gets better at it, then he may want to take his skills to a more competitive place. But there's a lot of kids who just want to play. And uh, I think we overlook those kids a lot of times uh, that just want to play, have a great time. They may never even play high school basketball. But you know what? At 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, they love the game. And we need to have uh, – those are the kids that are going to develop into, you know, the next – could be the next NBA stars. Uh, and that's how uh, – we, and that's kind of the, the route that we really emphasize is, is – you shouldn't throw your kid into a uh, uh, your your son or daughter into a into a elite situation at, at that age. In my opinion, hey, nobody's elite at nine years old. <laughs> you know, nobody's elite at ten years old. Let's give them a groundwork first, and then as they develop, uh, you know, they can. There's other spots for them. So, uh, but you hit you made that point very clear. And your question is uh, community teams are absolutely the best. Yes. And I, I appreciate that advice. I, 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 I do think the joy of the game, we, what we teach here is we talk about joy and fun, but we, that doesn't mean we don't work hard, but when I coach girls, when they have a smile on their face and they're practicing, that's good stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but when I go to watch AAU practices, it's like, man, this is – and I know it's hard work. I don't see a lot of joy in the faces, yep. Coach. What do you see you when know, you go travel? You know, that's a great <laughs> – you know, that is a great point. You know, we, we get these U16 kids. Right now we, we just finished up in Minnesota, Minneapolis, with, with 22 of the top freshmen – 25 of the top sophomores and probably 20 of the top juniors. And we, we say our number one, our number one goal is for those kids to have fun playing. And they're, and they're all future high level division one NBA guys, but they got to have fun playing. And, you know, it's, it's funny because we've all had this as coaches where a parent will come into you and say, you know what, my son or daughter just is not having any fun playing for you. And we've all had that. And sure. my response is, well, you, you first of all, you better define fun. You know, if fun is just running around doing what you want to, no, they're probably not having fun. Or, you know, if they're, if they're uh, just being playful, that's not fun to everybody. So I think definition of fun, to me, the definition of fun is doing a hard thing well. And that's what game of basketball is. You know, when you see a, 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 a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old or a high school player struggling with something and all of a sudden they, they can do it, whether it's a left-handed layup, whether it's a mic and drill, 
the smile on their face is immense. And that's, that's the fun part because they've done something they couldn't do before and they're doing it well. And, and to me, that's just the epitome of having fun. And uh, I think that, that is, is, is something that we stress to coaches and players all the time. You, you can't come out here and, and not have fun. I, I take a look at Jalen Green was our MVP last year as a U-17 player. Came off the bench for us. Uh, uh, and, you know, he, 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 he had a smile on his face. He was very, very into it, having fun with what he was doing with his teammates. And, uh, you know, being a good teammate is having fun. You know, having joy when somebody else succeeds is, is fun. So, you know, you talk about fun, and I think the definition is something that escapes us, and we need to, we need to define that before we, uh, you know, before we actually get out there and find out what is fun. Yeah, and I, I spoke to a, a coach named Greg Tonigal out of Indiana Wesleyan, yep. um, and I love the small college guys, Coach. I do too. Those guys are so smart, man, I'm telling you. And I spoke to him uh, yesterday. Uh, actually, I need to spend more time at home. I'm too busy talking <laughs> to all you guys. <laughs> um, well, I just got back from the beach, so I'm good for a while. So, there you go. Um, Greg, this is what I love, and I'm stealing this from him, is he teaches what he calls fearless, and I am third, which is selfless. Yeah. And he, when I says, how do you teach that, Coach? He goes, every drill – in practice, I, I, I said, okay, it's fine to have that as your core concept, but how do you teach it? He says, every drill is called like fearless something. Like we're going to do the fearless catch drill, yeah. fearless dribbling drill. And it says, that's simple, but that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So everything he talks about, works on, is talking about being fearless. Don't be afraid to fail. Yep. Just, and I love that. Don't you love that? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great thing. I mean, it's just. That's, you know, that's, um, you know, that's one way to really get across what you, what you want. And that's part of, you know, you talk about developing a culture. That's, you know, that's what a culture is, is how you do things. Um, and, and, you know, for guys to come up with their own, how, you know, their own culture uh, lines and their own culture drills and how they do things is really, to me, very interesting and unique. Uh, situations for coaches. Coach, tell me how, what you would do. I know you coach high school for a while, and most of my questions are probably geared more towards high school coaches. And I know you carry your high school coaching into what you're doing now. What would you do for a new coach coming in first 45 days or 30 days? How would you establish your culture? How, How would you establish your program? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I think if you're for if you're a new coach, I think it all it all boils back to uh, relationships you start out with 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 parents and players. Um, I mean, I, I I probably have as good a handle as ever after after doing this. I was city high. I came into that situation. They had been doormats for many years uh but the school itself was very very high academic athletic school very diverse like i said before but they were ranked actually in sports illustrated as one of the top 50 high schools in the country 
uh, as far as athlete, as far as their athletic program, but their boys basketball struggled. So a couple things I did coming into that situation. First of all, you know, you, you, you get a handle on, on who, who kind of your leaders are. And, uh, you know, everybody kind of, when a new coach comes in, kids come out of the woodwork, you know, want to be on the team. Uh, but, and the other thing I did that probably helped me more than anything is I made, uh, I personally made home visits with every varsity player. And uh, I had really not done that as much uh, with my, in my previous high schools as I did with this. But, I, but starting a, starting and turning a program around, I, I knew I had to get the parents uh, support and also uh, give them some information on what we believed was important, what our standards were. So I made home visits with every player's parent. And, uh, you know, that was really eye-opening for me. I mean, you know, we had players who didn't have parents. We had players who lived with their grandmother. We had players from one-family homes. We had players from two-family homes. Um, so that was really an eye-opener. We had some parents that wouldn't let me in the house just because they were not proud of what their house was. Um, yeah, sure. You know, type thing. So getting to meet those parents and giving, I gave them a little booklet on, you know, what, what were our standards? What do we believe as a basketball team? How their son would be taken care of, cared for, uh, maybe not even if they didn't play. So I got a really good picture of the players through uh, through this through these parents through the parents and uh, you know for new coaches starting a program even coaches who have been at a place for nine or ten years and you're not sure uh, really what what goes on in the, in the home of the players I think it's to me that was uh, not only eye opening but I really got started out on the right foot with with that uh with doing that so that that certainly helped me and that's, that was a great uh, thing that i i did not knowing it would turn out to be so good and then the you know then then go on from there you know obviously you have team meetings and we tried to do we tried to do a lot of community things with our team before the season ever started so people could identify with some of our players food, some food drives uh, Ronald, Ronald McDonald House work, uh, you know, just just stuff like that that would uh, go have pizza parties together, uh, so people could identify that you know what we're we're really trying to make uh, make an impression on uh, people we come in contact with, being great teammates to each other, uh, from the standpoint of of you know who who can we help today. Uh, you know, we did a lot of classroom work. I think taking a team in a classroom and and uh, uh, we, I, one of my things is having a mind candy for the day, and, and I, that's just a statement about what I think is important for our team. Uh, and then we talk about that mind candy and how that relates to our team. I mean, I got guys uh, from my high schools, but also NBA guys like Jabari Parker and. And uh, Aaron Gordon and Justice Winslow and Tyus Jones, I mean, they all come back and I visit with them. And they said, you know, this this mind candy really stuck with me when I was going through a hard time in the NBA. So I know it makes a difference, but uh, that's something that we that we we do. Helping kids communicate uh, is is huge uh, 
uh, you know, we, we assign book reports. Uh, so uh, they might, uh, we'll take 10 minutes before practice and a player will, will describe what, what chapter two was in this book. Uh, really big on that. Uh, we, one of the things I think that's helped us a, a ton, both at the USA level and, and our high school levels, we have what we call a communication circle that we end practice with every day where the players uh, circle up, grab hands, and then I have a different question every day. And uh, uh, they look to the right one day, maybe look to the left. Uh, and we say you have to look, look the player in the eye, call them by their first name, and then answer the question. So my first question is, might be uh, tell the player to your right what you think they did really well in practice today. And so he would, they would turn and say, uh, you know, uh, Melissa, you did a really good job today of playing defense. And then Melissa would turn to, to Katie, and Katie would say, Katie, I thought you did a great job of rebounding today. So you get that different communication going. Plus now, you, you know, you're starting to develop roles on your team without you describing the roles that the kids have. They're, they're telling the players what, what, what they do well. That means that's, that's a role that they have on their team. We change questions every day. And the most, uh, after about two weeks, the toughest question we have is tell, tell everybody here something they would not know about you. And that's huge because, first of all, it develops trust. And that trust factor is, is has to be trust on the court, so uh, as well as off the court. So now you're you're kind of delving into your your heart and telling them, uh, you know, we've had answers like you know my uh, my grand my my uncle got shot with a drug deal. My mom's in jail. Uh, you know, I didn't have we didn't have money for breakfast this morning. You know, those kind of things are just earth shaking. And, and it certainly develops that trust factor that every team needs if they're going to be successful. So that's, uh, I think that's probably been a big part of our culture as well uh, that we do. And I love that because you rarely mention anything about basketball. Rarely. But yeah. those intangibles will help you on the court big time, right, Coach? Oh, tremendously. I mean, you know, then, then – you know, just some follow-up questions would be, all right, and then maybe one day I'll say, you tell a person to your left what you personally need to do, what, what personally you do need to do to get better. So I would say, uh, Billy, you know what, I, I, I really need to get better with my left hand. So now players are identifying their weaknesses. Coaches are identifying the players are identifying it. And so you get a really great communication. You get trust. You get uh, – and I think probably if there's – one of the main things that I think we've done well with USA basketball and my high school teams is, is to develop. Uh, that, that, that kind of communication circle brings. Up. Hey coach. Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sometimes yep. it goes off just a little bit. Go ahead and continue that, okay. that comment. I'm sorry. Um, but go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying how, you know, I don't know where we ended at, but, um, you know, it, it, one of the big, uh, another question is now you have to tell the person to your left what you have to do to get better. So I would say to Billy, I'd say, Billy, I got to get better at my left hand. I'm not a very good, you know, so now we're developing the, the players themselves figure out 
you know, what do I have to do to get better? And without the coach telling them, they're, they're picking out their weakness. And we always say, you know, your weakness, make your weakness your strength you know, in, in a month or so, in a, in a couple of weeks, whatever. So if you're not a very good uh, perimeter 15-foot uh, shooter, make that your strength by next year in the offseason or whatever. Uh, so you're developing, you're developing an attitude of, you know, here's what I need to do to get better without the coach telling me, you know, my weaknesses. I love that coach. That's powerful. Um, cause I'm a big believer. I guess, I guess I get older, I get smarter, maybe more wisdom, I guess, but, um, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe from listening to you guys, no doubt, but that really helps me out because I give my team a lot of leader, um, a lot of, uh, leadership roles, um, because the less of me is going to be more and better of them. I don't know if that makes sense, but absolutely. They, 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 I, I need to stay out of it. I just need to facilitate, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, and too many coaches, I think it's all about them. And really, it's not about the coach. I mean, you, you facilitate, but it's, you know, every team is different, but it's about them. And, and the more we can put, you know, the more we can make it about them, the better off we're going to be, uh, the better off our team is going to be. You know, they have to see and understand things. You know, it's just like I we tell our USA team all the time, you know, you're you're playing for somebody, you're playing for something bigger than you and, and, and with USA basketball. But you're also doing that with your high school team and every other team. So, you know, when you're playing for something bigger than you, you have to understand that, you know, it, it takes more than just you uh, to win a game or to play well. And, uh, you know, those, those type of things mean more to kids, you know, 10 years from now, uh, they'll look back on those and, you know, they'll remember wins and losses, of course, but, you know, they're going to remember the camaraderie they had, how much they worked together. You, know, you, you listen to the Virginia players this past, this past weekend and how much they, you know, it, it, it was about winning, but it was more than winning. And I always tell coaches, you know, if winning is your goal, then you're going to be disappointed many times. Winning is not a goal. Winning is an objective that you try to attain, but your goal is much, much bigger. You know, your goal is building relationships, developing young men and women into adults, uh, you know, having them be great teammates, having them uh, understand communication, you know, principles. So when they grow up and have, get married and have, have kids of their own, you know, how to relate to that. So that, I mean, that's the goal. It's not, it's not winning is pretty shallow. If that's how you, if that's your only goal. And I, I didn't, I don't think I understood that when I first started coaching. Uh, in fact, I know I didn't. Yeah. And it's so funny coach that you, you, we evaluate high school coaches on state championships, which I, I, uh, which maybe because I don't have one, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I know for a fact that the value of us, my coaching is not even after the season or it's like many years down the road, right? Just like what you're saying. I mean, and that'd be nice to have a state championship to put on your resume, but man, we, we overrate the state championships, don't we? <laughs> oh, no question. And, you know, again, I think sometimes we, we, our goals are such that, you know, state championship is your goal. No, that that's an objective. That's how that's that's hopefully what comes 
through other things, but you know, some of the best coaches I've ever been around are seventh and eighth grade coaches. I mean, I, I, I put my two best coaches in my system uh, at Iowa city. I were my seventh and eighth grade coaches uh, without a doubt, because that that's where you really got to coach. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, uh, th- that's often overlooked. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, the accolades everybody gets doesn't mean you're a good or bad coach. And, and when I evaluate coaches for our USA basketball camps and stuff, it, you know, it's not coaches who have won 7,800 games. Although, I mean, that's, you, you look at that, but you, you watch them, how they interact, how, you know, how they, how they coach uh, with their teams, how they, how they, the relationship with their players and those kind of things. And that, to me, that's much more uh, of a high-level coaching than it is if I just, uh, you know, if I've won a state championship, you know, that that doesn't necessarily tell me what kind of coach you are. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's all the little details, all the little things, how you communicate with your players, even when you don't, you're right, your best coaching, right, is is when your teams are not that strong and yeah. maybe – you're consistently getting the best out of them. And then when the talent comes along and that's where our program right now, we're kind of getting to that point where our talent level is getting better. And now for some reason, you know, it's showing up on the scoreboard, but we don't, we don't evaluate that much about the scoreboard because I've won a lot of games and I feel like my team didn't play very well. Yeah. So our scoreboard, the scoreboard can is misleading, right coach? Yep. No question. You know, I, I, it's funny because uh, I have two grand, I have five grandsons actually, and and I ask them, "Hey, how'd the game go?" Well, you know, the first thing is we won, so my, I, re, I I had to rephrase my questions. I, I rephrase them. Well, first of all, did you have a good time playing? You know, and then so it doesn't make the 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 outcome seem that like it was life or death if they won or lost. You. You, 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 you know, as a coach, you, you want them to, uh, we go back to enjoying the game, but, you know, you ask them how they, how, you know, if they had fun at it, what they learned from it, those kind of things are much more important. Yeah. We need to educate parents. And that's one of my goals is to do a better job educating parents on how do you speak to your child after games? I think we have to do that coach. It's a lot of extra work, but man, that, that would really help. Yeah. Just on that drive, that drive home. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think you know, as a coach, we know that's you have to include that in your parent meetings. Yes. You know, I'll tell you what. Some years we would have, you know, we would have have weekly parent meetings, and, and you know, there were there were seasons where I met where I would have win or lose, we would have a just a little bit of a reception for parents after every game, home game. That's great. That's a great idea. You know, so you so they can see you this it it's not all right if 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 we won you know i'm happy to talk to them no i'm i'm gonna we're gonna have a reception win or lose and you know what it may not it and just really uh, a lot of times what i'll do is i'll have a player speak uh at those at a at one of those things it doesn't last that long maybe 30 minutes max but i'll have a a player who maybe didn't play that much be the speaker and I know what he's going to say. I mean, he's going to just say, you know what, we we worked hard tonight. It was great for our team. And so 
Um, you know, the parents get a little different view of what happened from somebody who maybe been sixth or seventh man. Or sometimes I'll have uh, one year I had a great kid who never played a bit, uh, but he was such a team oriented guy. And so it was hard to get upset uh, when their son didn't have a lot of playing time when here's a kid who is buying into everything and never playing a bit. And uh, so that, that's, that's been, that helped uh, for a lot of, to, to alleviate because right after games is when parents, you know, they'll go home and they'll have their son, you know, they'll tell their son or daughter what they should or shouldn't have done. And so if you, I felt, well, if we can alleviate that, and we've done it all the time, but with certain teams we've done it, if we can alleviate that right after a game, they're going to go home much more positive. Kids are going to go much more positive as well. So, uh, it's, you know, uh, for some coaches, that's scary uh, to do. Uh, but I think, you know, that's something maybe to consider for uh, some coaches who, who have maybe who ha- who've had some difficult parents to work with. Coach, I love that. Matter of fact, I mean, I thought I've got all the Don Showalter notes, but I'm <laughs> adding to my list. Coach, you keep adding to my list. I guess it's all part of your mind candy book. You, you got to write a book called Mind Candy. Um, yeah. I love that because I I think I disconnect sometimes. I'm so competitive yep. that I disconnect. I'm so involved with my players, but I don't connect enough with my parents. Yeah. And you just kind of woke me up a little bit. That's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. And maybe you do it. Maybe you don't do it after every home game. Maybe you do it once a month or, or whatever. But I think, you know, I think you get them, uh, you get, you get the parents in, in a situation where uh, they're going to, they're going to end up seeing how really positive things that happen on a team win or lose. Right. And I, I you know, that, that, that's, to, to me, that, that was very, very helpful uh, at various times in my career. Yeah, I love that, Coach. I, and I know, I know you're a busy guy. I just have a couple more questions yeah. for you, and I appreciate your knowledge. Hey, um, tell, me, tell me what you think about this. It's along that same line. Um, we do a jersey night for my girls' programs here. And a jersey night is um, the parents get up at the beginning of the year, and uh, they, they hand the jersey to their child. And they, the dad talks about their daughter, and it's emotional. Um, and we feel like that's a great way to get the season started because I don't think parents say enough positive to their kids. I think, particularly for sports, I think everything's critiqued. And it's like, man, and the emotions, and it's become a tradition for us. What do, what do you do as your traditions, or what have you done? Yeah, I mean, I love that that aspect that's really very very cool <clears throat> where you get that you know one of the things growing up when i was growing up my dad was um passed away about 12 years ago but you know growing up he was such a i didn't and i didn't realize at the time he never he never critiqued me you know he was just always hey he was always there and he never said too much about how i played uh, but but I always knew that he loved to watch me play, and uh, and that meant a lot for me as I as I look back on that. And I think that's one of the reasons that maybe I was successful as a player is that you know I didn't get critiqued at home uh, like a lot of players do. But I, I think anything anytime you can do a, a simple thing for 
between communication between parents, players, and coaches, that's a positive. Whether it be what you're doing with a jersey, uh, <clears throat> you know, we have, you know, whether whether it's what I'm doing after games with parent, bringing parents in, uh, we always have a theme for the year. You know, uh, a theme for the year might be something like, uh, you know, uh, uh, play for the jersey or, you know, you're playing, play for the name on the, play for the, the, the school on the front, just any, any, anything that you can come up with for that year. So, and then that becomes your uh, kind of what you keep on the forefront uh, daily basis. And I, I think too, you know, when you say that, uh, that when we talk about uh, developing that culture with parents and, and players and coaches, I, I don't. I think it's something that you can't do just one time during the year, and just say, "Oh, I've done it," uh, and, and that's good enough. Now, I, I think you have to keep. That's something you have to keep perpetuating with the parents and the players. Uh, you know, like halfway through the season, well, I'll invite all the players into practice. I'll have an open practice for parents. Uh, I do that. Th- probably two or three times during the year at least uh, with, so they can watch practice. I want them to, I want them to see what practice looks like, uh, you know, they go away with a much different feeling after they watch a practice uh, type thing, you know, rather than just come to a game and, and just watch them play. Uh, and let's face it. I, I mean, I, my, my, both my son and daughter played and, and uh, uh, you know, I was a parent too. And Parents come to games and they they don't really watch all five players on, on your team. They watch one player <laughs> on your team the most. Right. <laughs> and so I, I think you know whatever you you can do to to illustrate the fact that uh, it takes a special parent to understand too. Uh, you know, teamwork is really they understand it, but they don't want to really want to admit it that that you know the teamwork is is as important as being the best player on the team, whatever. So I think anything you can come up with and it, you know, it varies by program to program, obviously, but anything you can come up with to make that triangle coach, player, parent triangle, you find have a lot less parent uh, troubles and hassles uh, than, than, than coaches who, you know, it used to be, I'm not going to talk to parents. Right. That, work. Yeah. that does not work uh, in this day and age, you know, uh, so I think anything you can do to make that triangle of communication between the three entities uh, really certainly helps. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, and believe in leadership committees for parents, things like that. Almost give them, right, Coach? Give yeah, them coach. A, connection, a connection to your program, right? I mean, yeah. you have to – it's not a communication, it's connection, right? Yeah, right. And And that's – you know, I forgot about that part of it. You know, you always have four or five parents that are, you know, you you, you set up committees and parents are in charge of maybe a, a, a meal uh, before a game, whatever, you know, or a Saturday night pizza party, you know. I, and parents love to do that. I think they, you know, sometimes they don't know how to be a part of, you know, they, they want to be helpful, but they don't know how to be helpful. And so I think coaches need to be real specific in, in what they tell parents, hey, we'd love, to, I'd love to have you four parents, you take over this aspect of what we're doing. And uh, um, 
boy, you know, some the parents, we find out the parents really take off and, and just run with it and, and do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. The, uh, the parents, the parents of my coaches call me the great delegator now. Yeah. I mean, I, I give everybody roles. Matter of fact, I, one of my, I, I give, you know, I, I have my transportation, uh, uh, coach. I have my head of marketing and they literally do all that stuff for me. Now I, I have everything planned and everything, sure. but I just give them roles and they love it. I have my uniform director where she orders the uniforms because yeah. women and girls know how to order uniforms better than men as far yeah. as their uniforms. So I'm not stupid. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I love what you're saying though. That's great connection. Coach, let's talk about last question is about practice because yeah. I always ask every coach about practice. And I know even at uh, the USA basketball, I know you guys are running some great practices. Brendan Sir and Chris Oliver are my two favorite mentors as far as practice organization. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I know, you know, both guys. Um, well. yep. Tell me what you think. Brendan Sir recently has said he has learned that in the NBA, there is a lot of skill development, but he says the best way to learn is five on five. And, and he just says if he was running a high school or college program, he would be doing mostly five on five and less individual development, unless it was specific times. What, what do you think about, what do you think about that? Because I think we're all kind of drill coaches. Why? Well, I mean, I've been, Brent and I are really good friends. I've been in, in a lot of discussions with both he and Chris, and I know both of them think the same way. You know, uh, here's here's my response. You know, it's it's pretty hard, and and, and I can see their point to it, but I, I, I say it's pretty hard uh, when a player doesn't have a skill to to emphasize that in a five on five situation. I mean, there's. I to me, there's a lot of progression in the game of basketball. So if I'm teaching a dribble drive, if my kids can't dribble with the left hand, that dribble drive is not very good. And it's going to get worse when I put five on five. So I better really practice that skill of going, develop my left hand uh, in, order for my, for, in order for my dribble drive offense to look really good or better. And if I just throw them into it, you know, and at the level they both coach at, I can understand that. But if, if I'm coaching a nine-year-old team, by golly, I can't do, I can't play five. In fact, we tell our you never play five on five at a at a young yeah, team. yeah, absolutely. You play three on three, you play four on four, but then you have to progressively develop those skills. So if I'm if I'm coaching even my high school team, you know, there are kids there who absolutely need work on shooting they need work on their left hand they need work on passing the basketball and, and, and making good decisions so i got to put them in decision making drills uh, yes and, and then lead up to that three on three four on four type of things well i i firmly believe that you know we we can't skip steps in other words i can't i can't put a player in a situation where he is not ready for it and then try to expect him to be i'm, I'm setting him up for failure and, and when, I, when I say that is, is if I'm trying to put them in, all right, let's go five on five and we're going to do our, our dribble drive uh, or our press defense or whatever, and we haven't 
covered the basics. All right, how where's the slides coming from? How who rotates? How do we rotate? All those kind of things. Then I think we're missing the point that we got to progress, progressively get to where we want to get to. Uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree, and I think I I think what Chris Oliver, I think what he believes is, and I've really been studying him a lot. Teach the technique, but he believes that everything should be taught with defense. And I, I'm still kind of struggling with that because I, I think I, I like what you're saying. I think you add defense in, but you have to teach pretty much the actual technique. Then you add the defense. Is that correct? Well, or, yeah. And I know, I, like I said, Chris does a great job. He's very successful. Uh, but both he and Brendan, I mean, they're already getting players that are pretty high level. So right. they may teach technique and then say, all right, let's put a defense on it. Or if I'm coaching my high school team, I'm going, you know what? If we put defense on that, it's going to get ugly really quick. <laughs> you know, or or if I'm teaching middle school kids, I'm sorry. But if we put defense on something we're not ready for, first of all, that, that little kid's not going to have any success. He's not going to love the game. He's going to quit. So we got to go progressively to – where we think we should be that they can do technique wise and then and then they can do it under pressure i'm a firm believer in that we can't put them put them in under pressure too quickly and that's why we don't you know three on three is a great way to put that pressure on to start with let them play three on three you know then they can develop their skills through three on three after we we drill them you know uh, I tell young coaches all the time that, you know, kids learn different ways. Uh, you, but my technique is we, de- we, sh- we, we definitely, we, we tell players what, what to do. We, we explain, then we show, they got to see, you know, players learn different. They got to see what's going to happen, you know, how to make a pivot, you know, what we mean by, you know, crossover, double cross, whatever. They got to see it. Then they got to rep it. Uh, and then they have, then we, then we correct their reps and they got to rep it again. We can't go from point A to point E without that stuff in between, in my opinion, uh, sure. with, with younger players. Now, again, we, we even have our junior national team players and they're very skilled, but you know, a phrase I use all the time is you never graduate from a skill. So I don't care how good you are with your, with shooting, do you think Steph Curry never works on shooting? He's the best shooter in NBA basketball. No, of course he does. But he, he's never gotten good enough that he's going to graduate from that skill. Same with ball handling, same with rebounding. You know, you still work on those skills, maybe not to the point you do when you're in high school or middle school, but you still work on those skills. And then ref- I call it refresh. You refresh those skills. And then you develop, then you develop maybe more decision-making when you go into three on three, four and four work. So yeah, don't get me started on that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, hey, I'm gonna have to call you back tomorrow, coach. Gotta <laughs> continue this. Hey, Joe yeah, Stasi uh you know Joe Statesian, I have a hard time saying his name. Yeah. He, uh, he Yeah, he he's um he's a good friend of mine. And uh matter of fact, I'm trying to get him out here to run some clinics for me. He gave me all the USA um uh, foundational drills and so forth. And we use them, you know, the pivot drills and yep. uh, line drills and so forth. Yep. And we use those. Yep. Are you very basic when you work? I don't care if you're working, you, all those players can play. You yep. guys still work on that stuff, right? 
every day. If you if you would come and watch our junior national team practice, we work on dribbling out, jump stop, pivot, pass. And we work on different kinds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, it does. It's not we we say you don't graduate from this skill. You, you refresh it. Now we we may not work on it for fifteen minutes like we we would a ten year old, eleven year old, twelve year old team. We might do it for two or three minutes. You know, full court passing drill, whatever. You still really refresh those skills before you put them under fire. And uh, we're, we're really, we really strongly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, I want to get your, I want to get your best instructional video because uh, I'm always trying to study what's the best way to teach the basics. I know it sounds crazy, but no. uh, And I really want to get your stuff and um, hopefully you can send me some of that or whatever I need to do. Um, And I, I'm really trying to learn, I have my drills, but I'm always trying to learn from the best. So if whatever you can help me out with that, that'd be great. Yeah, no, I'd love to. I, I think we, we, as coaches, we all kind of get comfortable in what we're doing. And, and I, and, and, and I don't think that's always good. I think you have to get one of our, one of our four C's that we emphasize with USA basketball is comfort zone. And, and you know, if you stay in a comfort zone, it's a good place to stay, but nothing grows there. So you have to get out of your comfort zone in order to really get better. And that's what your players have to understand as well. And as coaches, one of our, one of our duties is to get, and we tell parents this, one of our really responsibilities is to get your son or daughter out of their comfort zone. And, and they may not like it. You know, they may come home complaining a little bit. Coach made me do this. Well, we're making you do it because that's something that's going to take your game to another level. It's going to take you personally to another level. And so comfort zone is a huge word for me. Uh, the, others, the other C's are choices, uh, comfort zone, communication, and compete. And we, we feel if you can have those four C's uh, in, in, at, the, at the front of what you're doing uh, as a coach and as a player, you're going, to be, you're going to really see your game improve. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate you sharing that with me, Coach. Um, and I love the comfort zone. I don't, I don't think we do – we emphasize that enough with kids. I mean, we're always trying to get them better, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah and I, I appreciate that, Coach. Um, hey, Coach, my last question. I know I've spent a lot of time, man, I, and I can, I can spend more time with you, but I know you got a life. Um, hey, talk about what you're doing right now uh, – is the Nike Summit, is it finished, or are you guys still doing that? What are you all doing over there with the players? Yeah, we, well, we just came off our our, uh, tra- our mini camp in Minneapolis during the Final Four where, where we bring in about 20 to 25 players in each class and have a mini camp. Uh, you know, we instruct them in, in just uh, – we get them in and, and, and instruct them in, in how we do things. Uh, Give them, you know, uh, give them some basketball knowledge. Has some life skill stuff. The hoop summit now is taking place. It's Friday night here in Portland. Uh, okay. Our our top twelve seniors that have graduated or they're going to graduate. Uh, they're all going high level Division One. Are going to play a a, a very high level uh, team from all around the world. So the players come are all international players or have international backgrounds to them. And we play that at the Moda Center on Friday night, and it's uh, game time is uh, seven o'clock. Uh, I think it's uh, yeah seven o'clock uh, uh, Pacific time, 
and it's played at the Motor Center here in uh, in uh, Portland, where where the uh, Trailblazers play at. It's going to be okay. televised on ES- ESPN two. It's going to be televised. So oh, that's people, great. Yeah. People, yeah. people get a chance to see our top high school players uh, that you know you're going to hear from here in the next James Wiseman, Vernon Carey, uh, Cole Anthony. Uh, Wendell Moore, guys are going to all over the place. Uh, uh, play against some really top, really good uh, international players from Africa, China, Europe, uh, Asia, all over. So it'll be a great game. That's cool. And I'll I'll promote that as well. And I know I'll be watching. Because um, I just got back from McDonald's All-American. Matter of fact, uh, I interviewed Sue yeah. Phillips. You probably You probably know her. And um, she, was a, she was a, yeah, she's a great lady, man. She, she yeah. spent, she's like you, man, just sharing. And, you know, she was busy doing other things, but she shared with me and uh, we got a chance to, uh, I was hoping I was trying to connect with her at the game, but I saw so all the players you mentioned. I mean, there's, I don't think yeah. there's any one great player coach, but I think there's a lot of good ones. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, guys like James Wiseman probably, could be the number one draft pick in his class when he's out going. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good players. I was, I was, I, I, I always go to the, I'm on the selection committee for the McDonald's game. So I go to the practices and a lot of times I don't stay for the game just because I got to get back and do some other things. But uh, it was, it was really a good, good event this year. I thought the kids high level, I thought the kids were really good. Yeah. I have a, uh, our boys coach is uh, Mike Brooker. He played for North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's pulling for, uh, Anthony to go to North Carolina. What do you think? <laughs> I, I would be shocked if he didn't go there. Uh, I think that, and I think it'd be a good place for, for Cole to go. Uh, he's here with us this week. Uh, uh, I love him. He's got a good personality, uh, really a good kid. So, uh, I think North Carolina would be a good fit for him. Yeah. And they, they, they do a great job with guards out there, man. Every yeah. year they do a great job. Coach, thank you for sharing. I appreciate yeah. it, man. You're a big you're a big mentor of mine, and I just keep up the great work, and um, and uh, I appreciate everything you're doing for the game. So thank you very much. Well, you know, uh, how can coaches how can coaches get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, you know, basically, coaches, you know, basketball coaches are unique. I think are unique in the fact that we love to share things with other coaches. Uh, football coaches seem to be, you know, they're going to keep everything under. They're not going to share anything. But I think basketball coaches <laughs> are really good. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, you know, the best way, uh, and I, I, I guarantee I get back to every coach. Part of my job is coach education. So I respond. I mean, some days I'll get 50 emails. Some days I'll get, you know, 30 emails. But I respond to everybody. Uh, I used to say within 24 hours, but now I, I say within two or three days. Uh, but people get a hold of me. My my uh, email address is dshowalter. Uh and that's D S H O W A L T E R. Uh, I mean, no, I have no relation to Bucky Showalter. Uh, when he when he's got a bad year, when he's got a good year, right. I'm his uncle. He's my uncle. <laughs> so it's D, D Showalter at usabasketball.com. Uh, All right, coach. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And um, the USA Basketball. That's also you. You know, that's a good website as well, right? Absolutely, usab.com. You go there. Uh, you, you, I mean, you'll find what we're do. We do regional camps. We do. And if people want to get involved, look at what we're doing on USAB, and then shoot me an email. Hey, this 
you know, you're having a camp close to where I can come to. I'd love to volunteer and help out. You know, those, those are kind of, the, that's kind of the way to get started with USA basketball. And that's what, that's what I did. You know, you just volunteer and people like what you do and you, then you get other opportunities. So I would encourage everybody to look at that. Come to one of our academies. Uh, I'm at, all, I, I'm at all our academies. Uh, I speak at all our academies, give a session or two uh, as well. So we have, we have starting first part of June all the way up through September. So check out our academies online at usab.com. I run a basketball camp. I think that's probably second to none in, in the States called Snow Valley Basketball School. Uh, if you have uh, ever want to work that, it's all skill development. We play one game a day at night uh, as well. So if you have any questions, any of those things, or just have a broad, a broad question about basketball, uh, shoot me an email. Coach, I do want, actually, I do want to work that. I forgot I mentioned that. I have, yeah. I have a friend of mine, a parent here, and I have some kids that I would lo- actually love to go to that. So I've heard so many great things about it. Yep. Uh, we'd love to have you, Kevin. That'd be great. Coach, thank you so much. Have a great day and um, good luck on uh, Friday night. Hey, my, my pleasure talking to you, Kevin. And uh, yeah, uh, I love talking basketball as we, as coaches do. Uh, so uh, we're going to try and get a big win. We lost last year to the world team. So this is, this is, uh, it's been really competitive. And I think people that are in the Portland area, you, if you can come out, you should, you can come out and see the game. If not watch on, on ESPN too, it's going to be a really, uh, very, very extremely competitive game watching 12 young men. And then, uh, like I said, Dirk Nowitzki played in it years ago and nobody knew who he was. And, and he got drafted in the, uh, high draft pick and uh, he's an all-star. So you get a chance to see young kids when they're, before they get to that level. Yeah. And there's some great international players. I know that. I mean, there's a lot of talent around the world, right coach? Yep. Absolutely. A lot of great players. Coach, thank you so much for sharing, man. I appreciate you uh, helping out me and helping out our coaches. Hey, no problem. Glad to do it. Thanks, Don. Yep, thanks. Coaches, how are you? Hey, make sure to check out my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. They were a main sponsor of my Legends Clinic last year, and I got to see in person why the Dr. Dish is undoubtedly the best shooting machine on the market. I'm super excited to get one in my program here soon. As a matter of fact, it's already in the process of being ordered. The technology and versatility of the machine are unmatched. Make sure to check out their product lineup and their new Dr. Dish CT machine on their website at drdishbasketball.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at drdishbball. Mention this podcast and you can save $300 extra on your next Dr. Dick, Dr. Dish purchase. Get one soon. This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. What's up, everybody? It's Mike Cleansing from Head Start Basketball and the Hoop Heads Podcast. You're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado.